0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, Jonah is always a fun tale to be told. Not long ago, we just did a Bible study on on this, uh, on the whole book. It was very interesting. Um, But we have it today, which... Is wonderful because Jonah really shows us a lot, not just about himself, but he shows something about ourselves. He shows us something about even Jesus, believe it or not. Most of the time, Jonah is used as um, a bit of a, a joke by some people, right? I mean, well, depending on who you talk to, the joke changes. person to person, if they don't believe this actually happened, they'll kind of use it as a bit of mockery with the Bible, saying, how can somebody be swallowed by a fish or even a whale? I mean, we've tended to go to this understanding that it was a whale because whales were the only thing that we know that are big enough to swallow a man, and no whale would actually swallow him, and so that's where you get into some tough things, but the, the text actually says a fish. Who knows what kind of fish were in the sea at that point in time? And it's also used as a bit of a joke by those who see Jonah, and they have the luxury of saying, what a foolish man, what a foolish man, he's deliberately told by God to go do something, to arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. And when you get these direct messages from God as a prophet, what should you do? You should do it, right? You should do it. But what does Jonah do? He runs, right? He runs away. And in that sense, we see ourselves, right? We see ourselves. God will burden our conscience in some way because his law is good. And it tells us to do certain things. Because his law is good and perfect and true, capitalized in the Ten Commandments, you shall not do certain things, you shall do certain things. And what do we usually do when it comes to especially our our little pet sins? We run in the opposite direction. We don't do as God commands whatever that might be. So in Jonah, we see ourselves. And if that's the case, which it is, right, we should not be surprised when a great storm rises around us. When Jonah gets in the boat to run away, as if he could, keep that in mind, as if he could run away from God, and his presence, the God who created the heavens and the earth. He tries to run away on the earth. Well, it's foolishness, right? It's foolishness. He runs away, he tries, and he goes to sleep at the bottom of a boat. And then it says deliberately that the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. The Lord sends wrath for sin. Not necessarily when we might expect it, but in general, whenever we face wrath in this world, we can be sure that the cause for it is God because of our sin. That we live in a sinful world And we shouldn't be surprised to look out in the world and see horrible things going on. They certainly ought to upset us. They certainly ought to perplex us. They certainly ought to trouble us because they are troubling. Now, I'm speaking in a fairly metaphorical way right now in that, you know, we we will speak in such a way that storms rise up throughout our lives. Sometimes there's times of great calm. But sometimes there are times of great distress, great anxiety, whatever might be going on in your life, whether, whatever might be going on with a loved one that's troubling you, whatever might be happening at work, whatever might be happening in your personal life, in your spiritual life, things rise up and they are, in the very general sense, punishment, wrath for sin. Sin not necessarily something you specifically did, but just because of the fact that you are a sinner. But when we turn away, when we turn our back on God, we bring about wrath upon ourselves, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. For that, though, we as Christians, we as those who trust in Jesus Christ, acknowledge it, We don't run away. At some point in time, the word of the Lord catches up to us and tells us, stop, and we do. We stop, we acknowledge our sin, and we ask for forgiveness. We ask for grace. So Jonah is like us. In that, we can see in him the encapsulation about how we run away from God's law every chance we get by either doing the things we shouldn't do or not doing the things that we ought to do. And in a similar way, it's very great. I'm glad that whoever put the lectionary together picked these two texts, the Old Testament and the Gospel because we see a great connection here that in a similar situation, Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples and they, get, and they go out on the Sea of Galilee. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but Jesus was asleep. It's kind of interesting to see these two things, where Jonah is asleep, he is asleep in a way to try and escape. <laughs> I don't know, how many of y'all have ever been in a situation where everything is just so troubling, everything is just going wrong, you get to the end of a really, really bad troubling day, and all you want to do is sleep. All you want to do is escape from that horrible thing. That's what Jonah's trying to do. But in this way, with Jesus, his sleep is sweet because he just came from preaching on the mount, the sermon on the mount. He was healing and teaching. He was busy. And I think in Ecclesiastes, it says that the sleep of a working man is sweet. What better man to ascribe that to than Christ? So we see this, Opposite here in Jonah and Jesus, between the boat that Jonah is on and the boat that Jesus is on. And in the disciples with our Lord, we also see ourselves that when the waves rise up, when the winds howl and crash around us, when we have a lot of distress going on, we often forget, do we not? We often forget the most important thing, especially if you are a Christian. What do we forget? That Jesus is in the boat with us. We forget these things because we're sinful. And so, like the disciples, they cry out, Lord, save us, we are perishing. We are dying, Lord, help us. Have you ever gotten to a point in life where that became your prayer. More often than not, I kind of find myself praying that prayer a lot these days. For the church, for our nation, I find myself praying a variation of that a lot. Lord, save us. We are perishing. We are dying. But Jesus wakes up, and he rebukes them. (laughs) Jesus always winds up doing the exact opposite of what he expected to do, right? Jesus wakes up, and he says, why are you fearful, O you of small faith, you small faith people? Why are you afraid? Now, is that very nice of Jesus? No, no. But maybe that's a trap we sometimes fall into is saying, well, Jesus isn't being very nice here. I wonder how we apply that to when he's uh, turning over tables in the temple. It's Not very nice, but he's doing the right thing. He's calling them out, not to condemn them, right? Not to just leave them alone in their sin and despair. He doesn't just say, why are you fearful? Oh, you of small faith, I'll tell you what, Because of your small faith, you're going to die, and I'm just going to walk out of here. No. He says, Why are you afraid? In fact, if you read the Greek, uh, which is why y'all pay me the big bucks, I guess, I can tell you these things. You can actually read that as How are you afraid? How are you afraid? I'm here. How can you be fearful? when the Lord is with you. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that, right? Sometimes we need to be reminded that Jesus is with us. We who are baptized, we who believe in the word of God that says that Christ has died for us, we who trust that the Lord has died for our sins, risen from the grave, ascended and lives on high, for the good of all that trust in him, how can we be afraid? How can we be fearful? The worst thing that can happen to us is death. And yet, we believe in one who has conquered death for us. How can we be fearful? Oh, we of small faith. And in response to this, Jesus arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was great calm. That in the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the word made flesh, his word that he speaks creates calm where there is trouble. His word is powerful. His word that says you are forgiven. His word that says, yes, you have transgressed my law. Yes, you have done all the things you should not do. Yes, you did not do the things you should have done. Yet, for my sake, you are forgiven. On account of my blood, you are cleansed. That's what Jesus says to us. Now, to go back to Jonah for just a second. Again, we see all kinds of things going wrong with Jonah. Jonah is doing all the wrong things, but one thing he does say that's right in the midst of the storm is he tells them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. In that sense, Jonah is acknowledging his sin and he is trying to make it right, right? He is being sacrificial of himself for the sake of those that are in the boat. And in this way, we see a foreshadow, not a perfect image, but something that we can hold on to that says, this is what Jesus would do perfectly for you. That in the ancient times, the sea was known as the place of chaos, right? That's why the Israelites were not really seafaring people, right? When when you see the Sea of Galilee, it's just a lake, all right? That's that's what we would call a lake. I wouldn't necessarily call people who live on a lake seafaring folk, right? We think of like people who go out on barges or, or, you know, big freighters or, or ships out on the ocean. Those are seafaring folk, but the Israelites stayed away from the sea. It was a place of trouble. It was a place where you could not lay a foundation. It was a place that created a lot of trouble. And that is what the world is for us. That is what the world is. That out in the world, there is chaos and despair and trouble and sin And it seems like it's growing more and more every single day. And yet, we as Christians have traditionally taken texts like this from Matthew. And that's why we have crafted our churches to look like ships. You ever thought about that? That in the church, you have the nave, right? You have different nautical terms for a church because this is a place of refuge. This is a place where you ride out the storm. This is a place where when the waves and the winds are crashing all about you, seeming to just topple you over and cover your head to where you die, you run to the church. You run to the place of refuge where you know where Christ is, where you know that his word is proclaimed, where you know That you can receive his body and his blood to feed you, to sustain you, to help you get through that storm. That in Jonah and Jesus, we see a great similarity. That Jonah was taken up and he was hurled straight into the heart of chaos straight into the heart of sin. So was Christ. Christ was raised up and thrown to the wolves, pierced, beaten, bloody, and crucified so that we could stay firm and secure, So we could stay firm and secure in the boat so that we would not have to face that torment, so that we would not have to face that pain, not eternally. In Christ, we see that by his word, we have great comfort and consolation, that in the midst of the chaos and great storms, remember that Jesus is here. Jesus is in the boat with you. How can you be afraid? How? So that when we read something like from St. Paul in Romans chapter 8, we can say, how can I? How can I be afraid when Christ is with me? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed through us on account of Christ. For right now, we might suffer. Right now, in fact, we will suffer. We will not escape suffering in this life. And yet, on the last day, We know that Christ will raise all the dead and welcome those who trust in Him into His everlasting blessedness and righteousness forever. That is something to hold on to. That is something to champion. That is something to glory in. That is something to remember when you come to church, that when... You partake of the body and blood of Christ. You partake of that, fe- that foretaste of the feast that is to come on the last day. That you are strengthened here and now with the body and blood of Christ that was crucified. That was crucified, risen, and that was ascended on high for you so that you could weather whatever storm comes your way. So take heart when the winds and the waves come crashing around you. Take heart. Your Lord has not abandoned you. Your Lord Jesus Christ is there with you in the boat. How can you be afraid? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.